I inherited this tenant, and the last three months,、uh, I didn't get any rent payment. So, came to this、uh, individual face to face, and I asked him, you know, it's like,、uh, where's my rent、um, funds, you know? And he told me that、uh, he wasn't gonna pay me any longer because he doesn't feel like he needs to. But that literally took like eight months to have him out. But、um, what was crazy is that it could have been like one year or longer. Uh, he just made a terrible mistake. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, we're live. We're here with Alvin today. Mr. Alvin Wong is an investor in Canada, and we're going to jump into how he has created. A portfolio of seven properties and eighteen doors within the past two years. But before we jump into that, Alvin, out of these eighteen doors, could you tell us the craziest experience that you've had thus far in real estate? Wow!、Uh, thanks for uh, having us, uh, having me uh, uh, on your show,、uh, boys. Of course, our pleasure. Yeah,、uh, yeah. To、uh, to answer your questions,、uh, you said the craziest, eh?、Um, the craziest things that happened to me、uh, of all those、uh, properties. I would have to say, like、uh, when I first started in real estate,、uh, I didn't know exactly the whole entire ropes. You know, it was、um, even though I had a coach to guide me, but at the end of the day, you still have to feel for it and you have to get involved, get your hands dirty in order to understand the whole real estate game, right? So I inherited a, a tenant that、um, by I live in Ontario. Uh, in the city of Toronto, and I invest in、uh, Windsor and Sudbury. So this is my very first property was in Windsor, and、uh, in Ontario's law, the landlord tenant board, we have to inherit tenants.、Um, we can't just you know kick them out. We have to inherit them. So I inherited this tenant, and、uh, in the first three months of、uh, purchasing the property, he was paying on time. He was very friendly, and the last three months,、uh, the he started to.、Uh, I didn't get any rent payment, so. Came to、um, this、uh, individual face to face, and I asked him, you know, it's like,、uh, where's my rent、um, funds, you know? And he told me that、uh, he wasn't gonna pay me any longer because he doesn't feel like he needs to. So that was a real shocker for me, and I didn't know how to handle that situation. So it turns out that、um, that he, I had to go through the whole landlord tenant board to、uh, to bring him to court.、Uh, that literally took. Like eight months to have him out, but、um, what was crazy is that it could have been like one year or longer.、Uh, he just made a terrible mistake by torching my lawn on fire and、uh, started to throw cockroaches onto my tenants. <laughs> Say what? He's like literally throwing cockroaches onto the tenants. <laughs> yeah, the story is that the tenant told me was that he got really upset. And he just started to get really angry and started throwing crockages at them. Started to harass my neighbors, and that jump started the landlord tenant board to like speed up the process. So that was insane, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to Dude, Google、so、Maps, I'm, I'm curious. Do do, <laughs> do you know where he sourced the cow cockro、yeah. cockroaches from? <laughs> well, the, the area I invest in is、uh, known to have some、uh, a little bit rats and crockages. I'm sure he'll be able to find it. But what's crazy is that if you go to、um, Google Map, and you look up my property, you see this big、uh, patch of black grass, and that's where he torched my lawn on fire. <laughs> Dude, will you send us a picture of that? Yeah, sure. I will send it to you. It's so crazy. 
that is like uh, this is why I love the, the starting with the craziest story. <laughs> yeah. The story is like yeah. this: when you have such a tenant-friendly body, like a lot of the places in Canada and some of the places in the U.S., speed up the process because some is crazy. Like you know, like that story worthy. That is amazing. So. Tim told me a little bit before show about your nature of going in the real estate game, which I find to be so, so fascinating because you were nursing and, and obviously still are now, but you started your real yeah. estate investing right after being laid off. Is that correct? Yes, that's absolutely correct. And this, like, this is fascinating to me because most people, when they're real estate investing, they're not thinking like, hey, I just lost my job. Let's go buy some properties. So take <laughs> us through the thought patterns. And I'm so glad you did, but take us through the thought patterns and, and what led you ultimately to do that. Yeah. So just uh, my story begins with me, like, you know, uh, I, I've uh, done everything on the books, you know, um, I did everything I could to get into my dream job, which is in critical care and nursing. This is where the intensity and this is where the, like, uh, my passion is in nursing. And after working one year, you know, um, um, doing everything that's, uh, that everyone want me to do, you know, I, I just get a note saying that it's time for me to, to, uh, leave my profession in the critical care unit. And that was a huge blow to me because I've done a lot of, uh, nice shifts. For all my nursing uh, audience, uh, you know, uh, they they won't they can take relate to this. You know, uh, you know, we we do day shift and night shift, twelve hours back and forth. That's a big toll in our body, I break our backs. You know, and um, we deal with a lot of violent patients. Not their fault, you know, but um, but at the end of the day, we just get a letter saying that it's time to let go. Um, so that was a huge slap in the face. So I started. To, I had to find a new job because I started to not contribute to my uh, pension. And uh, money wasn't flowing, so that was uh, a little scary. So that's one thing I've learned, you know, like uh, you got to protect yourself, you know, in terms of finances. And so I started to find a, I found a new job that brought me from Ottawa, which is the capital city of Canada. That's where I was residing at that time. And I moved to Toronto. During my move, I found a book, uh, left dust in my bookshelf. And uh, a lot of people are familiar with this, uh, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Ah, uh, great book. You know, it just uh, it just tells teaches you what liability and assets are. Sounds simple, but it just gives you that understanding of like uh, how much risk you're carrying in life, and you got to do something about it. And that was my very first uh, fundamental of finances. And also, there's a lot of uh, mindset shift there. And so I decided to, you know what, I don't ever want to go through that situation again where I'm doing a rat race, people are telling me what to do, and then serve me, and then tell me I have to leave. And all I got to protect myself financially and at least become financial independence. And so that's when I started to look into all the investment vehicles. I didn't understand Bitcoin. I didn't understand like uh, option trading, uh, stocks alone. So, you know, it's just coincidentally uh, real estate, the fundamental of real estate just made sense the most. So I just thought I took a leap of faith and start doing it at least on my own. But I realized that uh, when I went to the MOS uh, that, and look up properties, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I stare at the numbers, I get analysis paralysis, and I don't even know like how to find a realtor. That's how that's how scary it was. And I realized that you know instead of putting a down payment on my first home, why don't I use that money to invest it into onto a, a coach and invest into myself, my education. And I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me because 
uh, there's a lot of stuff in real estate that an average person would not know how to invest and how to find good properties and purchase it without uh, screwing yourself over. So I'm, I was very glad that I, I found a coach, a high performance real estate Canadian coach, and he showed me the ropes. And um, from the first three months of starting the program with him, um, got the green light in October the 1st, 2020. That's when I purchased my first uh, uh, property, and that's in Windsor, Ontario. That's absolutely tremendous. I love that you just, you read this book, you had this aha moment, like, oh, I need to take it, I need to take care of myself, right? So I, you don't want to be reliant on anybody else. And I just, I love the way that you, um, you pivoted so quickly. And then you made the correct identification that having a coach is a good idea. It's funny that a lot of people just try to do everything themselves and then they end up not doing anything. As you mentioned, analysis paralysis. Um, and then you find the coach and you get your first one in 90 days. Yeah. So can we talk about the what, what kind of strategies did your coach show you that you were able to move so quickly and efficiently in that process? Yeah, so I was really green to the game. It's funny because uh, when I first started, uh, he was ask, uh, he was just trying to see my level of knowledge of my real estate investment uh, game and at least fundamentals. And I couldn't, I couldn't explain anything to him because that's, I mean, I'm a nurse. If you give me a lung, you give me a heart, I would absolutely be able to tell you every part of that organ, you know, but you tell me about like East drop, like, I don't even know what that is. So, so we had to go from a very basic foundation, you know, of real estate. Um, so we looked up on markets to invest in, uh, mainly due to like, uh, what would generate the most high cash flow income. So we're talking about rentals, um, look up, um, stay away from like, uh, fancy objects. So like in big cities, you know, if you purchase a property that's like here in Canada is outrageous. <laughs> I know it's a little different in the States. Um, uh, but like, um, if you in here in Toronto, you know, if you buy like a 300 square feet condo, it's like at least 700 to 800,000, you put in a tenant there. Like how, like, um, how is that, how is that rental income in a one bedroom going to be able to cash flow? You know, so we have to look for properties that are outside, slightly away from um, bigger city, metropolitan city like Toronto or Vancouver or like uh, Montreal and find these cities that make sense where the, the rental income is so high that can cover all your expenses and still cash flow. And at the same time, there's some small appreciation at least. And that's exactly how I was looking for these markets. And that's where I came across Windsor. And then later on, I can tell you guys later uh, down our um, our show, like uh, I pivoted quickly to Sudbury. That's where my battleground is now and my bread and butter. So we look at population growth. Uh, we look at like uh, infrastructures of the cities, uh, process, uh, what the what the city is planning on doing in the next five years. Um, we look at like stats on uh, income coming from a single family, uh, single family, or like uh, other fundamentals, um, such as like, uh, yeah, growth of the city, like population growth on our Canadian census. Love this. So I want to continue down this road, but I want to circle back first. You got laid off from your job. Income is not flowing in. You're in a market where properties are wildly expensive. You're mentioning $700,000 for a 300 square foot condo. You yeah. then do another thing to cost money, which is hire a coach, unless if you bartered him for free or maybe he's paying you, I don't know. But 
but I'm assuming you're paying him for his coaching. Like, I am so excited right now to ask this question yeah. because it's like, this is so not normal, but so amazing. You're investing yeah. in yourself, taking action at a time where most people would be running from action. So break down that mindset. And I know you, you talked about the book, but what was like, what was inside you that was causing you to do that? Was there any sense of like fear in this or were you fearless or did you have a, a thought that stopped you? You overcame it. Give us, give us a scoop. Yeah. So when you, when you reach a point where like, there's no turning back, you know, I really lost my dream job, you know, and, um, I got a lot of nurses can testify this as well too. You know, uh, there's a lot of anxiety in our profession just because we see a lot of, we see a lot of crazy stuff, <laughs> you know, uh, we see doctors get beat up by patients. Sometimes our fellow nurses, we have to handle like, um, like, uh, violent, uh, in general, violent, uh, uh, patients break our back. Um, just the drama in our hospital environment. Um, it's just, there's a lot of burned out in nursing. And so with me, you know, uh, being laid off and, um, seeing everything I've done came to a waste, you know, I've, um, I couldn't look back and then uh, get another position that's similar to critical care. I was so scarred. So that was one of the thing, you know, there's nothing, I have nothing to lose, you know? And, uh, the second thing is that, um, the job that I settled in, it wasn't something I was passionate about. So that even made it even worse. <laughs> um, Another thing is that that during that time, you know, my, my grandmother was, uh, has had cancer, you know, and she wasn't uh, going to live very long. But one thing she really uh, told me a lot was, you know, try to do something for a family. You know, you got to, you got to keep, you got to stay strong, Elvin. You got to like, uh, um, I really support you in this real estate because I see the potential in real estate. It can give you that, that financial freedom. And then you can use that financial freedom to help your family, you know? So and I saw that was such a big drive for me. And I just, I just became so fearless because when you get, like I said, when you get to that point, it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing more you can lose, you know? And I did save up as, as well as a nurse, you do make a decent income. And I've been always been very frugal individual, even before a real estate. So I did stocked up enough uh, funds to purchase my property. So I just thought that, you know, um, there's nothing to lose. I mean, like, uh, the worst come to worst, this coach screws me over and doesn't even, uh, uh, runs away with my money, but at least I still have funds to keep going. Um, <laughs> so, um, but luckily this coach didn't, uh, run away. <laughs> so, and, uh, the coach really taught me a lot of great lessons. And I thought, you know, if, if I had a coach, if I have a coach, I have my, I have my family and, um, the worst come to worst, I just go back home and just, uh, sleep in a basement or something. <laughs> I have nothing to lose really. And so I just took massive action and let's, let's go, you know, I love the mindset there. It's like, I have nothing to lose anyway. So let's just go all in. And, and that's what you did. And obviously paid off in the end. Um, I think we're going to get much deeper into your grandma's story. But before we do that, you mentioned you're a critical care nurse. You're in a very hectic environment. You said you have violent patients <laughs> attacking doctors, attacking nurses, not on top. I mean, you're obviously you're surrounded by death and you're surrounded by um, perilous situations. I would love to know how the skill set that you developed as a critical care nurse has transferred over to real estate, because I would imagine you're, you're mostly a problem solver. So I yeah. think it transfers over pretty well. Yeah, uh, you know, I have to thank nursing because uh, we deal with a lot of multitasking. Uh, so we have we have five to six patients uh, in in situation that's even worse. When we're short nursing, we can have up to eight patients, 
and when you have eight patients, you know, and they're critically ill, you have to think fast. You have to find ways to juggle and uh, prioritize and stay very sharp and organized. And I really thank that for that for that skill set because when you're in real estate, you know, you're dealing with uh, complications. Um, you're going to run into complication no matter what, and you have to be a problem solver and, uh, you have to prioritize which one is the most immediately to act. So like, uh, in my Windsor properties, like I have to manage renovations. I have to manage my general contractor. I have to manage my property manager. Yes. You know, you have a property manager, but you still have to manage them because they have so many properties you're looking after. They're not going to look after you, uh, completely. So you have to still, uh, manage the team. You have to manage the tenants. In my case, you know, I was going through landlord tenant board with this tenant, so I still have to manage the tenant and also stay on top of landlord tenant board. So that really gave me that great organization, prioritization um, from nursing. And you know what? I thank nursing because nursing really gave me that empathetic, uh, that, that the empathy that came comes along with being a nurse. You know, you have to negotiate with your your patients all the time because they don't want to take your medications. They have to justify, you have to educate them. You know, that negotiation is great, but you also show that empathy. And I think that's really what makes me very successful in all my cash or keys. Because, um, a lot of times when you do cash or keys on, uh, on tennis, yes, you're, you, you can't beat around the bush. The truth is you're affecting them, but there's a humanistic side to it where tenants will get really upset and probably refuse. But what if the situation is like the renovation can cause harm to the, the tenants? Like you have to gut the place, uh, open up walls, you know, uh, here in Canada is really cold, right? So you have to justify all that. You have to be very empathetic. And when someone sees that you're very empathetic and you're really trying to do your best to help them, they actually want to work with you. And that's what makes it so makes it makes my negotiation, my cash for keys, my off-market uh, negotiation very successful. And I really thank that for nursing. Yeah. Wow. So awesome. So many things to go into. I, I want to talk about your grandma a little bit. And this is probably going to be a recurring theme throughout here because it's such a focal point for you. Yeah. Your grandma was the one that introduced you to real estate in the sense of pushing you to do something for your family. Do you attribute your fierceness and relentlessness to your desire to carry out your grandma's wishes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, she was, um, she was the main person in my life that I really looked up to, you know, it's, it, you know, she was, uh, she was really kind. And I think that was the main reason why I got into nursing because, uh, she was, she was such a good hearted individual that, um, that made me into a person that I really do want to get into a profession where I care for elderlies. And that's exactly why I got into nursing and got into critical care because I wanted to interact more with elderlies and seniors to help mm. them get, get from, yeah, get from the hospital back to their homes, you know? Gosh, so, this is so amazing. Yeah, yeah. What a person, man. Like I just, I feel your heart, like, you know, you're intelligent, your heartfelt, like this is so, so incredible. And the reason I want to dive in here and thank you for letting us do this is because like you'd, you'd made the statement that you had nothing to lose, which I am so thankful that you had that thought. But the truth is, that's not true. You had a lot to lose. You had money to lose. You had time to lose. 
And there's a lot of people that we know that don't take action because they would have looked at that and said that. But for some reason, you were able to bypass that thought and have the thought of, I have nothing to lose, which was the thought that has served you so, so well. So, you know, again, thank you for letting us to dive in. Love to get more, more on that, but you know, just so incredible. Thank you. Yeah. So, so take us now. So, you know, I, I, just to carry on with Tim's question too, like what were maybe like you, you talk about the skills, the, the, the empathy, the negotiation skills that come with your personality, but talk about like the experiences that you did have in nursing. Did they, did those leave a mark on you in any sort of way? Like I, I we've talked to some of our mentors who, who were also like in either critical nursing or, or in hospice. And they talk about like being constantly faced with death had an impact on them and how they live their life. Can you explain maybe how the experiences of nursing have impacted you? Well, I mean, in, in nursing, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of, um, there's, there's so many things to dive upon nursing. It's just, uh, it's just an amazing, it's a, it's an amazing career. You know, it allows you to interact with a lot of different scenarios of, uh, patients. You got some great ones and then you also have someone that are really difficult to deal with, but there's always the ability to be able to like, um, uh, to talk to these all different walks of life, find out the reason why, um, situation like these happen and then be able to like, uh, find out their story and be able to, uh, use that ability to negotiate or like find ways to help get them get back to, uh, their, their, their feet and, and to go home. And I find that that's, um, being a nurse, um, in my profession, I get to see all that. So definitely for sure. Yeah. Sorry to dive into nursing so much, but you had mentioned that, you know, you guys often have a lot of anxiety people that, I mean, this is no surprise to me. Um, you guys are in a very perilous environment. Um, did you have to struggle or did you ever struggle with anxiety? And if so, how did you overcome that? And if you didn't, anybody that you helped through that process? Cause I'm sure some of your coworkers went through it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question because I think there's a lot of nurses out there that, uh, we still have, uh, we're scarred and, uh, especially this pandemic that there's a lot of, um, we've gone through a lot, um, burnt out depression. Uh, yes, we've been provided with like help to cope and, uh, to see a profession. It's, it's crazy. There's a lot of literatures out there that indicates uh, a lot of them use, um, the services, but at the same time, there's also a lot of literature that shows that a lot of nurses are just covering up and just continue working numb themselves, but the issue has not been solved with myself. You know, uh, unfortunately I didn't really seek much help. I saw it as, um, you know, I just, just kept going, you know, I just, uh, I think I am still, <laughs> there's, there's still part of me that I don't think I can ever go back into critical care. What happened to me? Um, but you know what, you know, uh, it's, we just, we just keep, keep going. Like what exactly what I did, I just pivoted this, um, my, I'm still in nursing, you know, um, it's not the critical care I always wanted, but I now pivoted into a different passion of mine. I created a new passion and now that's, that's, uh, what real estate is. And it's been, I, in my opinion, I think real estate saved me because ever since I found out my ability that I can do a lot of stuff. Like be, I see my potential, like from someone who doesn't know anything about real estate to somebody who now have seven properties, 18 doors. It just makes me like, I'm, I just feel like I move mountains. I feel like I found my new passion 
And with that, I felt like, you know, I can now go back into nursing and to, to continue on with my career, which I am. And I start to, the, the career that I told you I didn't feel satisfied with, now I feel a little bit different. You know, I, I really enjoy what I do now even though it's not bedside anymore, but now I do enjoy it because at the end of the day, it is nursing and I'm still helping people and I finally see it. And all thanks to real estate for being able to show me the light and it really rescued me. I, I just hope that makes sense. Dude, it does. And I resonate with you so deeply on this. My passion was serving people and teaching. So I got my math degree, went in, taught, and then you find out the hard truths. It's hard to make a living in teaching. And then my second year, they cut our pay eight and a half percent while they raise the administration's pay. And so like, there's this craziness that you discover, like this dream that you have is not what you thought it was. And, yeah. you know, if you're not careful, it can create some pretty deep, you know, depressions or existential crises or so on and so forth. And it sounds like your story and my story have so many similarities in the sense that we both ended up in real estate. Real estate ended up being a humongous benefit for us emotionally, psychologically, financially. One thing I'm curious about, and you might be still a little bit early in the game yet to know, but like you have a heart to serve people, which is so beautiful. Do, have you been able to yet, or what is your vision for fulfilling that aspect because I, I i have a hundred percent certainty that if you haven't you will like you will find a way to deliver that the thing that you were trying to deliver in bedside in real estate or in some other way like so we'd love to know your vision on that i it's uh there's so many things going on when you said that because i have thought i gave a lot of great thought into it because at the end of the day you know i a lot of people were all a, a big a lot of chunk of people that that knows that I, what I'm doing, they always ask me, say, like, Alvin, like one day, um, are you going to leave the nursing profession? Uh, it's funny because I, I gave some thought into it. You know, I don't want to leave the nursing profession, but you and I both know, you know, uh, it's once you get more doors, more units, more property, it's going to be a lot of time and energy and work you need to put into it. So that leads me to thinking, you know, how do I be able to serve the reason why I got into nursing was to serve my community, to do, to give back and to uh, carry out my grandmother's mission as well, too, at the same time, you know, and I thought about, you know what, the real estate, uh, everything is all in Everything is all nursing, you know, and uh, even if it's outside of nursing, so like real estate, you can still do something in nursing. So I have plans like uh, to. Um, you know, uh, hopefully one day, like I, I maybe consider looking into retirement, purchasing retirement home res, residential or create one or build something and make into nursing homes and things like that. Or like, um, you know, have, you know, have charities, create charities, give back to my nursing community. So like incentives, student incentives and, uh, or anything that's related to charity. So I think that real estate, it's a great a vehicle to help carry on my dreams carry on what I want to do in nursing and still apply it, even though I'm no longer in bedside nursing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, your heart for service is incredible. I love how you just you just tied nursing and your your um, your passion for caring for the elderly. You're like, hey, yeah. I can buy a nursing home. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I love the way that you're connecting everything together. Um, and you're, you're connecting the dots in a wonderful way. Um, you mentioned that you wanted to carry on your grandmother's mission. Um, I believe we haven't reached the end of that story yet. <laughs> so just to, to get you rolling there, you had mentioned on the pre-call that – when you wanted to get into real estate, none of your friends and family supported you except for your grandma. So could we get into like what that support meant for you and, and what it still means for you today? Because I could tell that it's, st it's still a, a very important thing. I, I, I love my friends. To, I love my friends and family, you know, um, and, you know, I know they're going to be, uh, they're going to be watching this. <laughs> so it's nothing, it's not that they're, it's more like, um, when you start something really big and passionate, you know, I think what happened is because they're so good friends with you or they're, you're, 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 a, you're a son to them, you know, they're, they're fearful of you making a mistake and then be bankrupt or default or foreclosure. Right. And I think that that's, it's, I think that's why they were so concerned for me, you know, <laughs> but with my grandmother, she's just like, so fierce. She's like, yeah, go for it. You know, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> what do you got to lose? <laughs> so she, she's like always encouraging me, even though when she was very low in energy, she was still very, like, very energetic about me talking about real estate. And she'll keep asking me about more why I love real estate and how she was so supportive of it and just you know, you just only need one person to support you. And then you're just going to go and move mountain. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> totally. And and I could totally like sense this and relate to that. Like, obviously, you know, your friends and family support you as a person, right? Yeah. They, they actually support you so much. They're willing to say, hey, this might not be a good idea because in their mind, it's not a good idea. Yeah. Little do they know that is bad advice, right? <laughs> like, I could relate to that because when I left teaching, my wife told me, don't do it. Like, do not yeah. do it. Like, you're going to go into sales. Like, you have this noble profession. You're going to leave it for this money-making yeah. profession. And, uh, you know, she's okay with it now. And I'm sure your <laughs> family and friends are super stoked for you at this point. Oh, yeah, totally. And you know what? You're, 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 it's absolutely right because at the end of the day, they do care about you, Matt. Um, it's just that, you know, you're leaving a steady uh, profession, right? You're going into a, a industry that's like you know you only get paid if you make that sale. So I totally get it, and I, I think that's the same thing with all my friends and family. They're all supported in a different way. It's just they're just the the experience that you, uh, Tim, Matt, and I, you and me have. You know, it's just it's a whole new different level of like a game. You know, and it's it takes a, you need a lot of you need a lot of understanding and knowledge to understand what we're doing. You know, it's it can be very scary for the general public. A hundred percent. And this is something that I think is so valuable that it's worth diving into. And maybe if you're willing, we could dive into it, the three of us, which is really like the conversation about risk itself. And so mm -hmm. when the general population looks at risk, they look at investing as riskier than the alternative. And maybe some people's way of investing is riskier than the alternative. But the reality is that you got a firsthand glance that your job led, laid you off. Your properties won't lay you off in the same way that your job can. So yeah. can you give us, and Tim, you too, can you guys give us your spin on risk? And now that you're on this side of it, freshly on this side of it, why would you believe, if you do, that investing is less risky than not investing? So, well, 
there's a lot. Okay, so there's a lot of fundamentals in、uh, in our real estate. You know,、um, we have、um, everyone has a, a deal analysis. You know, and with myself, I always have to make sure that in order to protect myself, we need to、um, have cash flow. Okay, so when you purchase the property.、Um, You gotta do your due diligence to make sure that it's a great location. You're gonna have the good、uh, tenants that's in that neighborhood willing to purchase your property, and you also have to make sure that、um, it aligns to your values.、Uh, so if it checks mark everything of those, you know、um, you can weather storm. This is a perfect example in today's economic uh, uh, situation. At least in I'm speaking in、uh, Canada, you know our interest rate are going up, mortgages are going up. If you if you were back in like、uh, January, use、uh, the peak of January of twenty twenty two, you start to outbid、uh, everybody. You just don't care about the prices. Now you're suffering because the mortgages are all going up, and your tenants, the the ones that you put into your rental properties, the cash flow is not there anymore. They're not covering the expenses, and that's that's risky. You know that's dangerous. And to me, you know,、um, when I when I do when I do all my calculations, I I'm super ultra conservative, so I am still mitigating the risk, you know, compared to like as a general、uh, general public like in nursing, I, I we can go back into my story nursing. I lose my job and I have no more cash flow. <laughs> I have to go look for another job, and who knows will I get a good job because the job might not be something that I like doing, and in this case it is. You know, it wasn't something I was satisfied with. So you're not only Risking your finances, but you're emotionally risking everything as well, too. So, thank you for that answer, Alvin.、Um, I'll answer the same question, obviously. <laughs> so, like, why is real estate less risky than the alternative?、Um, and, and for me, it is like blatantly clear.、Um, the alternative is me putting my life in somebody else's hands, right? And, and that's something I just refuse to accept at this point in my life because, as you said, you don't have control. You could get laid off. You could get fired. Or You know, you don't have control of the economy. You don't have control of anything. So, why is real estate less risky than the alternative? It's because you're in control, right? Every problem that evolves, there's a solution for.、It. No matter what happens, I know that if I needed to make money, like I can make as much money as I want to in whatever time frame I need to. I just need to scale my activities up. So, I am in complete control. No matter what happens in the market or whatever, because I could pivot,、um, and I could pivot to whatever's working right now. And if I'm working for somebody else, I can't do that because I have to do whatever they're telling me to do. So that's my answer to that question. <laughs>、um, so let's continue moving onward, right? So you get this coach. Boom! Ninety days later, you have your first house, and now it's been two years. And now you have seven houses and eighteen doors. Let's kind of talk about that progression, and and how the evolution happened there. Yeah, absolutely. Like,、uh, where do I where do I start? <laughs> yeah. So so basically,、um, tell us like, you know, give us an idea of your portfolio. So is it obviously if you have seven properties and eighteen doors, these are not all single family houses. So so give us a, a sense of like what is your portfolio, and you know, like give us a, kind of a sequence of events. Yeah. So okay. So like、uh, my so October first, twenty twenty, I bought my Windsor property. So that was a duplex property.、Um, I did the so I do the Burr strategy. So for those who don't know,、uh, it's、uh, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and then repeat. 
So that's, that was the, that was my main source of uh, strategy. And so after when I finished the renovation, um, I was able to get new tenants in there, uh, appraise the property. Um, I took that, I took that, um, the money that was, uh, that was extra that came out from that strategy. Uh, I wanted to invest into a second property into uh, Windsor, but at that time the price went, went up and I realized I need to pivot to another different strategy. And I started to build my own, uh, build another team elsewhere. And that's where I landed into Sudbury, which is four hours away from metropolitan big city in Toronto, where I'm staying. And I saw the, the fundamentals, uh, make sense. Everything I to- uh, talked about in the beginning of the show, you know, uh, I decided to invest into Sudbury and I, I bought a property, um, in Sudbury, a single family home with, uh, two units. Um, and, uh, from that I continue on with that birth strategy. And, um, I think in two months after I bought that uh, property, I went after appraisal. I bought another duplex property, which is the third one. And after the third one, like um, uh, finish up the uh, the burst strategy, I realized that I need to start uh, pivoting my pivoting my strategy into purchasing property with other uh, partners. So we call this joint venture partners, so I can utilize their resources to continue on growing. And that's where I picked up my fourth and fifth property. And, um, on the sixth property, the, I got all my refinances from my other properties. And that's when I was able to purchase, uh, uh, a triplex. And then on November 29th, I'll be closing on another, uh, another triplex. So, so that's the total of seven properties. And, um, yeah, now I have 18 doors. Love your journey, man. I love how you just took the action and you just kept rolling with it. So, like, now that you've gone from one to seven and that's zero doors to 18, like, what do you think are the top two or three lessons that you've learned among during that journey? Definitely for sure. You know, uh, there's, I know that a lot of us um, want to keep on growing as fast as possible. And definitely for myself, I, I really did was in a hurry to reach up to some of my peers who has like 20 properties. You know, I was in, I was in that mindset, like got to hurry up, but I definitely realized that you in real estate, you know, you got to stick back to the fundamental and you have to be still be very careful at uh, the growth because one thing I realized that is the system, you know, I know the system is like not sexy to talk about, you know, Everyone wants to know how you got these property quickly, but the system is so important because as you scale, your system has to catch up to the growth that you're creating. So to give you an example, you know, I, I bought like when I bought four properties in, um, less than like, a, a over, over a year a bit, uh, I realized that my general contract wasn't able to keep up with all the properties I purchased and renovate all of them at the same time. So I have to hire more proper, uh, sorry, more general contractor. My property manager couldn't keep up with the, the amount of tenants that they have to uh, put put uh, at a speed that I'm renovating and buying property. They they need help to like um, to find tenants. So and then your bookkeeping, your accounting. So that's these are all systems that we we overlook, and you can easily fall like drop all the balls, you know, uh, when you're juggling. And and that's one thing I've really discovered. And I have to take a take a break at some point in my my purchase of properties, you know, to look back into my system and quickly fix them before I, I screw up, you know? So, 
that's definitely for sure one of my biggest lessons I've learned. Awesome, man. So what's next on your journey? Like, what, what do you envision for the next 12 to 18 months? What are you working on now? What do you want to improve on? Where do you want to, where do you want to be in 18 months, we'll say? Yeah, so uh, right now, um, uh, in order for me to get to the, the financial, um, financial independence that I need to be, I need to get up to fifth, around 15 properties. So I still got a long way to go. Um, definitely for sure. Like, a long uh, way. I, I want to just clarify this here for the audience. In two years, you've gone from zero to seven and living freely is at 15. So let's put this, if you don't expedite your speed moving forward, which is probably going to be easier because you already know what you're doing and the market's trending downwards, potentially, you might be retired in two more years, four years from start. So a long ways to go. Uh, kudos to you, man. You're halfway on your journey <laughs> after two years. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. It's because, like, you know, like uh, at the end of the day, like... Um... If the the long term game that we play is uh, the uh, we have to also consider of the cash flow, right? So you do need a certain amount of profit. But what Tim, Matt, and I are doing, you know, it's it's you know these are we're focusing on real estate. You know, um, it's it's you need to build a lot of uh, houses. You have to get more houses in order to get to that uh, to make up for the income stream you're getting for your your uh, your with my job at least in nursing. But anyways. Uh, yeah, so in the next uh, twelve months, definitely want to um, fix up more of my system because I am growing. Uh, I already have like uh, VAs, and I want to get more uh, VAs, which are virtual assistants, um, to help out do more driving for dollars, do more like um, off market deals, get more joint venture partners, and um, yeah, if I keep up this, the pace of uh, four to five properties per year, that that would get me into um, get me to my goal. Yeah, so definitely for sure. Wow. Yeah, man, it's such an inspiring story. And it, it's so cool to see somebody that's coming at this from such a different angle. You know, that's what I love about these interviews and just the process in general is every people coming from every industry, every thought process, every like everything can get there, you know, if, if they take action. So if you have to give a critical nurse any advice, like somebody that's in the nursing field that hasn't gotten started yet, that's maybe feeling some burnout, feeling like their back is broken, maybe their back is broken. But if you can give them some advice, what would it be? Well, definitely for sure uh, to to get help. You know, uh, I think a lot of nurses don't get the help that is given. Like that, there's help. There's there's definitely resources out there for nursing, um, especially during these COVID times. They really do kick do take care of us, the community. Um, First, take care of your body, take care of your mind, your soul, and then start thinking about, um, it doesn't need to be real estate, but start investing because at the end of the day, you know, um, for everyone is at risk of losing their job. I'm not saying everyone should like start quitting their job because if everyone does, then we don't have any, uh, manpower for anything. Right. And there probably won't be any nurses in my case. <laughs> so I don't want that, you know? What I'm what I'm suggesting is that you know finding an, an investment prop uh, investment, in my case real estate, I would give advice to at least get one property. If you can just get one or two property, oh man, like if you fall sick, your cash flow is taking care of you. Or if something happens, I know a nurse that that uh, can't become a nurse anymore because of a huge injury, and 
it was thank god like uh she have um she have uh, a, a a property that was inherited by by um due to unfortunate death of family you know and she was able to sell it and that would cover all her health care cover all her expenses up until she was able to find another job that's just how powerful like investment is you know so definitely for sure uh burned out nurse um a nurse that needs help i would totally recommend to start thinking about investing once you're well and start um yeah just investing absolutely 100 percent um i'm a strong proponent of mental health and a lot of people they don't take the actions necessary as you mentioned get help it is important that you take care of yourself because you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself um i'm going to disagree with you um anybody listening here if you're listening to this podcast you should highly consider quitting your job um, <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> you don't need to quit right now but it needs to be something that is on your list of things to do because if you're chasing freedom you need to find it yourself um, so <laughs> now, you need to take it in whatever path is best for you you don't have to quit your job necessarily you could take a slow roll if you want <laughs> um alvin Matt, do you want to say something? I do. Like, I want to recommend a book here. Um, so I'm in a group called GoBundance, a group of accredited investors, great people. And some of the leaders of that group just came out with a book called Quitter's Manifesto. So those of you who are having the quitting dilemma, let's say, maybe go ahead and buy that book and read it. So we can link it in the show notes. There you go. Check it out. The Quitter's Dilemma. Quitter's Manifesto. Sorry. Quitting was some of the, oh, the quitters <laughs> manifesto. That was my bad. Um, quitting is the best thing I ever did, by the way. Um, anyways, Alvin Wong, man, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. Um, this has been a tremendous experience. We've touched on so many different things. So thank you for being vulnerable, open, and honest. Thank you for sharing your journey. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. So if you do nothing else, commit to taking one action and do so in the next seven days. Tell someone you know that can hold you accountable. Before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one.